You're listening to audio from The House, located in Kelowna, B.C. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit us at thehouseonline.ca. It's, it's great to be back here. I was just trying to think. Um, back here, I, I think the first thing I, I showed was like a picture of my fiance. I'm married now, so ka-ching. Um, it's good. Uh, uh, Jocelyn, my wife, is back there. Um, I was, I was going to go on a rant about Jocelyn, but I'm not allowed. Well, I am allowed to do that. I'm newly, newly wed. Um, so everyone expects me to, uh, to, to talk about marriage, and it's, it's great. Uh, it, it's been so good. But I'm not here to talk to you about that. Um, as Ryan said, yeah, I'm, I'm the youth and young adults pastor at, uh, at Mission Creek Alliance Church um, next to the mall. And uh, I'm so excited to, like, to share with you what, uh, what I feel like God has placed on my heart for, for you. Um, uh, and for us this, this evening. If, if you have your Bibles, and if, if not, that's okay. We'll have uh, some of the text on the screen. But if you do, um, flip on open to Ephesians 1. We're going to be camped out into Ephesians 1 um, uh, the, the whole evening. And it's, it's probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture that we'll be speaking about tonight. And so I'm just thrilled. Uh, there's a picture up on screen here. Uh, and there's two characters. The character, first of all, you, I will buy you a drink if somebody can name these characters for me. They're from a book that was written before any of us were alive. Um, he wrote A Christmas Carol. Okay, and the characters' names are? You got half of a drink. Good job. Um, so, so the character, Pip is the boy and Estella is the girl. Like, what wonderful names. Um, Jocelyn, we are going to name our firstborn Pip. Or Estella. Um, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. That would be all awful. Um, hopefully nobody's name is Pip here. Um, uh, so, so Pip and Estella, I, I read Great Expectations a few years ago, and it just like, it, it shook me in a few ways. Uh, there's this like one incredible scene where, where Pip um, meets Estella, and Pip is like, he, he grew up kind of not quite as an orphan. I'm, I'm looking at you the whole time because you read it, and I, I'm, I'm, my memory's a little bit uh, gray on this. But he, he grew up poor, and um, he's walking alongside this, like, mansion one day, and he gets invited in by this kind of kooky old lady who's, like, super rich. And this lady has a niece, and the niece is um, Estella. As soon as Pip sees Estella, he falls head over heels in love with her, like, completely in love. Um, so much so that... Uh, he will do like literally anything that Estella wants him to do. He, he will like give anything that Estella asks and he just loves her so much. Like just a deep love that I have no idea how an 11 year old can possess, but he does it. And um, there's, this, uh, there's this scene where, where they're just like sitting down and they're playing cards, right? It's, it's nothing crazy in this scene. Um, and, and out of nowhere, Estella looks up to Pip and says, Pip, what coarse hands you have and what ugly, or not ugly, what rough shoes um, are you wearing? And like back in the 1900s, that would be an insult. And you're like, well, that's not an insult. But yeah, that's an insult. And, and, and Pip, this is what Pip thinks. I had never thought of being ashamed of my hands before, but I began to consider them a very indifferent pair. Her contempt for me was so strong that it became infectious and I caught it. Her contempt for me became so strong that it became infectious and I caught it. Did you see Pip's complete devotion and love for Estella actually meant that he, he identified whatever he thought of himself based on what Estella thought of him. So whatever Estella thought of Pip, that's what Pip thought of himself. 
He placed his complete identity in that. And so if Estella said something like this, Pip would be completely struck down. If Estella said an uplifting word, Pip would be lifted up. His identity was wrapped up in what he loved and who he loved. Uh, We're going to be talking about this idea of identity uh, this evening. James K.A. Smith, uh, an author, he, he writes this, that the center of gravity of the human person is located not in the intellect, but in the heart. Why? Because the heart is the existential chamber of our love, and it is our loves that orient us towards some ultimate end or goal. It's not just that I know some end or believe in some goal more than that. I long for some end. I want something and I want it ultimately. It is my desires that define me. In short, you are what you love. It is my desires that define me. I am what I love. Isn't that true? And and maybe maybe you're thinking of something right away. It's like, yeah, I've loved something so much that my life has been defined by it. Maybe that's been, been a relationship, like similar to Pip and Stella. Maybe that's been a pursuit of a, a, of a career, of a job, um, where, where any slight like, divergence from the path that you have laid out will completely rock your world. We are what we love. Our identity is wrapped up in our heart's desire. Ephesians 1.3 um, says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Heavenly realms and every spiritual blessing in Christ. Uh, I, I think God is inviting each, each one of us into something special tonight. For a lot of you, the words I'm gonna say are, are not original. Like, they're, they're not, there's not many original words somebody can get up here and, and preach. But, but I do feel that God has something incredibly meaningful to, to show us tonight. And, and it says here, every spiritual blessing. So for some of you, that might be an invitation to receiving a blessing from Jesus for the first time. And for others, it might be for the 99th time. But there is something for everyone tonight. Jesus has something so incredible for all of us tonight. And I'm going to continue reading the passage in Ephesians 1. But there's a couple things. First, there's gonna be some words. And if you grew up in church, um, these words will be like trigger words and you'll start going down rabbit holes and you'll start having arguments with the person next to you, even though you shouldn't be talking to the person next to you right now. Um, and, and so one, don't, don't ignore those words, but, but I don't want you to pay attention to them. I, I want you to focus on two things. Um, a little, little lesson. I know a lot of you are like students, like, man, like you're teaching something again? Um, I'm sorry for, for teaching you. I was just teaching you. But uh, two things. One, I want you to focus on who the object um, of the sentence is and who the subject, who the object and who the sentence uh, or subject is. Who is the one performing the action and who is the one receiving the action? That's key. So as I read, I want you to focus on the subject and object. And secondly, I want you to focus on phrases that I call identity phrases. This is where anytime Paul, the author of this letter, writes in him, in Christ, in Jesus, these are identity phrases that he's calling us into. He's calling us into. So let's go. I'm going to read Ephesians 1, um, 3. And it's, it's a big chunk. Um, and if your Bible is a different version, that's okay. Feel free to just close your eyes and listen as I do. Um, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. 
For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us all with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him, we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and when you also believed, were sealed in him and the promise and the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Wow. Let's, let's just pray for a second. Jesus, we thank you. This evening, as you invite us into finding our identity in you, I got uh, break down barriers, free us from distracting thoughts or distracting um, shame. Jesus, we just want to see you with such clarity tonight such clarity that you actually completely transform our heart's desire. And we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Uh, so I, I believe Paul's doing so much in this passage. And, and I just read that just to get us a glimpse of all these crazy, incredible spiritual blessings that actually we have in, in Christ. Um, but we're going to focus on three things, and they're up on screen here. And this is like an alternate identity that I believe Jesus is offering you. The first is that um, live as one chosen in Jesus, live as one redeemed in Jesus, and live as one secured in Jesus, okay? So chosen, redeemed, secured. Let's get going. Um, first thing, let's live as one chosen in Jesus. Uh, four, four to six, Ephesians 1, four to six. For he chose us in him, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship um, through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which is freely given us in the one he loves. First thing to recognize, who is choosing who? Right, this is key. Who is choosing who? Jesus is choosing you right now. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Jesus can't choose me. I gotta be like open. No, 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 no. Jesus is actually choosing you. Right now, this very moment, Jesus is choosing you. He even says this in, in the Gospel of John. Um, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Jesus, in this moment, is choosing each one of you. I, I think sometimes we, we, we actually equate this to like an episode of The Voice where like God is in this big chair with his back turned to us. And we just have to impress him enough where God pushes his big button and turns around. I'm choosing you. You're on Blake Shelton's team. Um, Blake Shelton is not Jesus. Uh, although he's a country artist and like country artists. Anyway, sorry. Uh, bad joke. But, but I, think, I think we do this sometimes where it's like, okay, you know what, God... In order for you to choose me, just, just let me meet this benchmark. I'm going to set a benchmark of here. Maybe that's reading the Bible. Maybe that's praying. Maybe that's just being nice and not like, like hurting people. I'm like, this is my benchmark. I'm going to hit this benchmark and then God, you, you can choose me. 
but you can't choose me until then. I'm going to hit this benchmark. And, and, and why? Why do we have this like weird idea of, of us needing to do something so that God will choose us? God will choose me. The, the biggest way um, I think we can reveal um, the truth in our hearts is, uh, is coming to a gathering like this. Um, maybe, maybe you're familiar with church uh, and, and you, you, know, you come to a, a service. How's, how's your week been, right? Has your week been, been rough? Been like, oh man, I, I, I slipped up again. Like I, I've, been, I've, been like, I've been angry with, with, my, with my girlfriend, with my boyfriend, and, and, and they felt it. I'm just like, I've, I've, hurt, I've hurt some people. And, and so, you, so you come into a service, and, uh, and, and then Dustin starts leading us in, in, in some awesome worship, and you're like, ah, oh, man, like, like I, I got to go home first, work on some stuff, and then I can come back, and then I can praise you, God. Or maybe you're like, you just had a kick butt week. You've been waking up early in the morning, reading your Bible every day. And, and, and then you get to the service and you're like, oh yeah, I am ready to praise Jesus. Both of those things actually reveal in our heart that we think we have to do something in order for God to receive anything from us, right? One is like, oh man, God, I actually have to be good enough in order for me to sing praises to you. In order for you to accept my praises, I have to be good enough. That's not what Paul is saying here. Paul's saying he chooses you. And the wonderful picture in, in an Old Testament um, just, just shows this. My, my Old Testament prof in, in university, um, he had this phrase that at first it sounds heretical, but it's actually the truth. Um, uh, he says, the more God's people sinned, the more he showed love to them. The more they ran away, the further God would pursue them. The worse they were, the more grace he would extend. There's a story in the Old Testament about this, uh, one of God's like, chosen spokespeople um, named Hosea. And um, Hosea has like the worst job description. Let me read it. Uh, when, when the Lord, yeah, some of you are chuckling. When, when the Lord began to speak to Hosea, the Lord said to him, go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. Like, can we just pause for a moment? Like, if you show up to the first day of your job, it's like, hey, go marry this man. He's going to commit adultery um, on you. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like, count me out. Um, but this is Hosea. Um, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So Hosea, being faithful, um, he married Gomer, daughter of Dib Diblame, and she conceived and bore him a son, Gomer. Another good name for the day. Um, if, if you want some good baby names, you got Pip, Estella, Gomer. Um, you're set. Uh, that's going to be a bad running joke. Sorry, Jocelyn. Um, so, so, so Hosea does this, right? Marries Gomer, has, has a child with, with, with her. And, and, and Gomer actually just does what, what God basically promised Hosea that Gomer would do. She, she goes off, runs with another man. And then, and then God says, says to Hosea, go, show your love to your wife again, although she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. Go, Hosea, love Gomer, even though she has abandoned you. And, and I don't, 
I think, I think maybe sometimes we, we can read this, and, and if you're in a spot where like, man, maybe this is like God's personal work to me, um, maybe, maybe, but I think what God is really trying to say in this is he's revealing a part of his character. And his character is one of unrelenting, relenting, reckless love towards us. You can push him away. You can run away from him, and guess what? Jesus will continue to run after you. Isn't that incredible? When you run away from him, he runs after you. That is what it means to be chosen in Christ. That's what it means to be a beloved daughter and son. That when you step away, when you sin, when you knowingly be like, you know what, I shouldn't do this. You do it anyways. Guess what? God's back isn't turned to you. God is actually chasing you. It is a mind-blowing picture of God's love. And he proves this love ultimately in the season we're celebrating, right? Jesus coming, the word incarnate, God made flesh, God making a dwelling place in our neighborhood. And he pays the ultimate price. He sheds his blood, proving his love for you. Um, C.S. Lewis would say that it costs God nothing, as far as we know, to create nice things, right? To create nice things is nothing, but to convert rebellious wills cost him crucifixion. How? Live as one chosen in Jesus. Secondly, live as one redeemed in Jesus. Uh, Verse seven. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace he lavished on us. We have redemption through his blood. This word redemption is like, it's like a super Bible word um, and it shows up a lot in the Bible. But, but back in the day, uh, the same Greek word that was used for redemption actually had its roots in the slave trade, <laughs> which is kind of weird, right? Uh, but, but that's what it was. And, and redemption was literally the, the act of paying someone so you could free somebody from slavery, right? It was, it was a ransom paid. It, it was rooted in freeing somebody of their chains and bringing them into, um, into freedom. This is redemption. And so when, when Paul says, in Jesus, right, that's a hymn, in Jesus we have redemption through his blood. Jesus is actually offering us freedom found in him. He's, he's offering us freedom from sin, from shame, from all that stuff found in him. That is not a light thing to offer. And this is, this is, uh, this is key because, because we actually, you and I do not deliver ourselves from our sin and brokenness. I, I, I'm a, okay, any, any type A's, type A brothers and sisters in the house? Raise your hand. Type A, you should be on this. Yeah, okay, one type A, thank you. Me and you. Um, if, if you're type A, anytime you have an issue in your life, guess what you do? You go home and you make a list about the issue in your life. And then you go and do every step on the list twice. Um, and, and, and that's just what you do. And, and, and we, we, like, you try really hard. So if there's something wrong, we're going to white knuckle it. We're going to change ourselves or God help me. I'm going to change myself, right? That's just what it is. And, and the promise here is that even though, like, let's say I actually do change myself through just white knuckling it. I'll probably just replace that sin with like a sin of pride or something. Oh, I'm so good. I can white knuckle it. Um, the reality is we actually can't free ourselves from sin and brokenness. Jesus is the one who can free us from sin and brokenness. This is why how we read the Bible is so crucial. Um, I think one of the, one of the fundamental um, errors of how we read the Bible is that it's primarily about us, 
Like we are the main characters of it. It's a roadmap into how you can have a better life. <laughs> Guess what? That's actually not what the, the Bible isn't. It, it is that, but that's not what the Bible's main point is. Like you are not the main character of the Bible. Um, Jesus is the main character of the Bible. And uh, you know, one of my favorite examples of this is, is the story of David and Goliath. My, like one of my favorite stories, right? And uh, in the story of David and Goliath, just a little primer, um, you have Goliath who's like tall, well, that's not even that tall. I'm short. <laughs> he's, he's, he's quite tall. And, uh, and then you have Goliath, who's more like me. Um, and and uh, back in the day, what they would do is they would actually just do one-on-one combat to resolve big fights because all of the men who were fighting were, uh, were farmers. And so if everyone just fought each other all the time, then there would be no food left for anyone else. Um, and so uh, the, the Philistines went and they were attacking Israel and they had Goliath as their champion. Goliath was huge, great warrior, all this stuff. And he goes and he just mocks the Israelites forever. And if you grew up in the church, all you're doing is um, envisioning like pickles and cucumbers right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks, VeggieTales, look it up. Um, I, I, have a, I have a friend, quick aside, I have a friend who, um, who, who became a Christian when he was like 19, and I make all these stupid references, and he's like, Brandon, what are you talking about? Because he doesn't know what VeggieTales are, um, and it's okay. Uh, and so, so we, have, we have this like, this scene set up, right, where, where Goliath is like in this valley, and he's like defying the armies of God. And, and, then, and then David comes along, and, and he goes out on behalf of the Israelite people. And the coolest thing is whoever won the battle would win the whole like, battle on behalf of their army, right? If Goliath won, the Philistines would, would win. If David won, the Israelites would win. I mean, we, we kind of know the story. David um, kills Goliath. Uh, and then we'd, all, we'd always stop the story in Sunday school before David chops off his head. And then, um, and then the whole Israelites actually won, won the battle. And it's cool. And, and if, if you heard the story, a lot of the times how we, how we teach it is like, man, be courageous like David. God will give you strength like David to overcome the Goliaths in your life, to overcome the, 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 the sin, to be able to fight the battles in your life. Just go out. God will give you strength. But, but I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'm often too scared to go out. There's, there's this whole other group of people in the story, and that's the Israelites. They are freaking out. Anytime Goliath comes, they are so scared, they are not confronting Goliath. They're scared. They're like quaking in their boots until David goes out on behalf of them to defeat Goliath. I think we're the Israelites. I think we're the Israelites. And just like David's victory over, over Goliath was all of Israelites' victory, I think it points ahead to another person's victory, Jesus, who steps out on behalf of his people. That's us conquers the ultimate Goliath of sin and death. And his victory, Jesus' victory, is now all of our victory, just like David's victory was all of the Israelites' victory. That is mind-blowing. As soon as we read that, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. And that is good news. Because it's, I don't think we can be David all the time. And David's not even that good of a guy once we find out more of his story. But we have Jesus who goes out on behalf of us and redeems us, pays the price by his blood. And this is such good news because we are redeemed in Jesus. You know, there is no sin too big for Jesus's redemption. All you have to do is look at a roll call of who, who God chooses, right? 
you know, David, we just talked about him. He ends up committing adultery, murders, um, murders the, uh, the husband of the woman he committed adultery with. God still chooses him. You know, we have, we have Peter who abandons Jesus um, uh, in, in the middle of Jesus' trial to be sentenced to death, right? When, when Jesus needs witnesses, um, Peter leaves, denies that he ever knew the man. Still, God chose him to build his church upon and you have Paul who wrote this, who wrote this letter and, um, and he was like standing beside people as they were murdering followers of Jesus. And then we just look in the mirror. I'm like, man, we have Brendan who did this and this and this. And I'm like, okay, God, do you want to use me? And it's great because in Jesus, we can be used. In Jesus, we can be redeemed. And lastly, live as one secured in Jesus. This is uh, verse 13. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in or who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. When we take a step into being found in Jesus, when our identity is placed in him, our, our future is secure. Jesus actually promises us this. And as, as the great comfort and hope, um, there's, there's, there is going to be a time where there's no more tears, there's no more pain or brokenness. But I think something else that Jesus wants us to hear tonight is that our, our present, your present is secure in him. Your present is secure in him. Who carries the weight of your salvation? Like, like who carries the weight? Whose responsibility is it? Is it yours? In, in Philippians 1, um, Paul would say this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you. Jesus is the one who is chasing after you. And guess what? When Jesus finds you, even when you run away, Jesus continues to chase after you. This is incredible news because when we recognize that our present is secure in Christ, we can suddenly be bold in all sorts of ways we didn't think were possible. Right? When we think about it, you can actually be bold in stepping out in your faith. Because if you fail, and, and guess what? We will fail daily. Um, you will actually find your identity in Jesus' success and not your failures. You can be bold and, and ruthless in dealing with your sin. Because guess what? When you get tripped up, you know that Jesus has clothed you in his righteousness, in his holiness. In Jesus, you are found. You can be bold in extending forgiveness to the ones who have hurt you so deeply because you know that in Jesus, you've been forgiven of every single thing. Man, there is freedom to be found when we experience security in Christ Jesus. And it is, it is a blessing that's just waiting Waiting, waiting for us to step into. We can do all this because we are secure in Jesus. Success, failure, joy, tears, suffering, or freedom. We are insecure in Christ. Uh, I'm gonna call the band uh, forward. And, and as the band come up, comes up, I just, just kind of want to share, share a story. Um, there was this... Uh, this old dead guy um, who, who, who wrote a book uh, called, called The Bruised Reed. Um, his name was Richard Sibbs. And uh, the whole book is this reflection on this obscure verse in Isaiah 42. 
Um, and let me just read the verse. It won't show up on screen. Uh, but it says, a, a bruised reed he will not break, the he being God. A bruised reed God will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Um, for, I think like, for, for the past I guess, six months, up until just a couple weeks ago, it, it felt like uh, I was continually being, being like pushed. And it was, a, it was a weird season in my life because like I, I was like in the middle of, of wedding planning and, um, and then getting married. And that, that like whole area of my life was just like incredibly joyous. Like it was, it was, it was wonderful. Um, and then this whole other area of my life, it was like weird discontent, weird just like, I, I can't even place a finger on it now, but it just felt like I was um, like this picture. I, I was like a little bit like a reed, like, like a branch that was continually being bent and like bent and bent. And, uh, and, and at times it, it like, it, it felt almost, um, almost like relentless. I, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it's like where, where you keep on being pushed and you're like, God, if, if, you, if, if this pushes any more, I'm gonna snap. Like I, I'm, I'm actually gonna like break. And, and I, I don't know, um, like I, I don't know why that this whole thing happened. Um, but it was this, I was just at this point where like, man, God, if you do any more, I'm broken, I'm, I'm done. And, um, and, and like three weeks ago, uh, I, just, I just felt like this, I, I can't, this, this like exhale on, on my life. It's just like I was able to like breathe again. Uh, and and I, I was reflecting on this book and I was reflecting on just the, the, the graciousness of God that in that moment, he, I, I saw that he had brought me to a spot and he used these situations in my life to actually reveal some stuff that I'd been ignoring in my life. He brought it to the surface and he's like, God's been, been lovingly dealing with me and dealing with it. But I was, just, I was just reminded in this whole season that like, it, it doesn't matter like all these things that I have or all these claims that I can, can like stake in and all these abilities that I can do, e- even like all the, the blessings that Jesus brings me, these are good things. Um, I remember asking Jesus for, for things like passion and joy and, and hope and purpose. These were like the four things I was asking Jesus for. I was like, I just, Jesus, if I could just feel joy, if I could just feel passion, if I could just feel hope, if I could just feel purpose. And, um, and then like a couple days passed and I just felt God just like press into me. He's like, Brendan, you actually don't need those things. You need me. Like, like, like you, you don't, like those things will come, but, 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 but you need me. And there's just this loving embrace, this coming back home where Jesus is like, man, just, just be found in me. That's the thing. Being secure in Christ means that actually Christ himself is enough. Like Jesus himself is enough, right? It means that healings might not come. Deliverance from sin might not be apparent. Poverty might not be relieved. Hurting may continue. Sanctification might be so slow, but Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. This evening, know that God is choosing you. Know that God is redeeming you. 
know that God has a future secured for you. And all you have to do is step into it. Like Jesus wants you to step into it. Oh God, we, we, we thank you so much for who you are. We praise you. We love you. We, uh, we ask that your, um, we ask that your spirit fall on us now. Jesus, fill us with your spirit. Fill, fill us with, um, with a new measure of, of our identity in you. Jesus, if somebody is uh, dealing with shame, we ask that you show them your love that you have for them, the, the, the purity that you actually offer, God, the, the purity that, that is all of ours, free, freely given. Jesus, Jesus, continue to lavish your love upon us, your grace. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to Audio from the House. For more information or resources, visit us at thehouseonline.ca.